Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and how difficult is the road that leads to life and few find it. This is God's word. So we've been looking at the message and the mission of the church after Jesus ascended into the heavens, which is a part of the foolishness of the message. You share the gospel with people. Yeah, then he floated up on a cloud. And he'll come back down on clouds. After he floated up on a cloud, the apostles preached one message, the restoration of all things at the day of the Lord, the hope of the Messiah, the cross and repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all of these things are confirmed as true and not foolish by the resurrection of the dead. And so based on this message, they lived on one mission of worship, discipleship, and evangelism. So we did worship the last two weeks, pledging love, trust, and loyalty to God. And we're going to spend the next two weeks that I'm teaching uh, on discipleship. Okay, walking on the narrow path and encouraging all the other people um, on that path. So follow the logic. Jesus' uh, resurrection has assured us that the day of the Lord is real and the cross before it is real. We've chosen to worship him by submitting to him in loyalty and, and trust. And now Jesus calls us to follow him, okay, to be his disciples, not just to believe stuff about him. Like, do you believe this about Jesus? Yes, he actually calls us to Follow him. And the path that we follow Jesus on is narrow and it is hard, but it is worth it because it's a path that leads to life. Okay? The narrow road is unto something. Jesus calls us to follow him on the hard road and the narrow road now in this age so that we can receive our inheritance in the age to come. Matthew seven fourteen. How difficult the road is that leads to where? That leads to life. And life for Jesus is always the resurrection of the dead. Always the coming age, okay? So we're going to follow Jesus on the narrow path unto life. And so discipleship, I think, fits into three um, categories. Martyrdom, okay? Or what Jesus calls cross-bearing, obedience, and, and self-denial, okay? And I think the sermon got leaked, and that's why people didn't come today. <laughs> self-denial sermon? I'm out, Okay. Um, Alan, so we start with the big one, right? We start with martyrdom. We start with this um, one big yes. We start with yes to death for the sake of love. We start with yes to death for the purpose of bearing witness to God's mercy on on sinners. And we say yes to the big thing then all the little ones fall into place. Right. It just makes sense. If I've said yes to death. I can obey Jesus' words. That's not as bad as dying. If I've said yes to death, I can deny my uh, myself and my desires. I've already said yes to death. I, I uh, wrote an article this week. If I've run eight laps, I can say yes to two laps. No more laps for you. Yeah. Hallelujah. No more running. Such a good, good feeling. Okay, so this this is first. Martyrdom is first. Jesus is just like, here it is. Take the big one, uh, no bull. This is first what marks disciples of Jesus as disciples is cross-bearing. It is martyrdom. It is choosing faithfulness to God 
in the face of death. Okay, so just let's just read Jesus plain words to his disciples. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his, to his disciples, to people who are going to follow him, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Okay, this is what it means to be a disciple, to be uh, like the master, Romans 6, 5, to follow him in a death like his. Okay. That's what he says. <laughs> follow him in a death like his. Now, the rest of Romans 6 is you'll also be, follow him, be united with him in a resurrection like his. But there's no, you don't bypass um, the cross in following Jesus. The pattern of the Messiah and the pattern of the Messiah's people is suffering a cross, martyrdom unto glory. Okay? We don't get to skip it. it, it, it Jesus leaves no room for this. Okay? So we're going to commit to following Jesus. We just want to be as clear as Jesus is. It's a cross. It is death. Jesus accepts this bloody cup of baptism and then says, not for you guys. Just kidding. That's not what he says. He he extends it to the disciples. Mark uh, 10, 39. The cup I drink, you will drink. The baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. Okay. No indication of of escaping from the same path that he walked or avoiding it. Matthew 10, it is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher, the servant, like his master. If they've called the master of the house a demon, how much more will they malign those of his household? Don't fear those who can kill the body. Don't don't fear martyrdom, okay, because it's narrow road leads to life. Um, Those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, rather fear him. Who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Whoever does not take up his cross. Whoever does does not choose faithfulness to Jesus in the face of death. Whoever doesn't choose to show mercy to their enemies. rather, Rather than take vengeance. Like Jesus, Father forgive them. Like Stephen, Father forgive them. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me, Jesus says, is not worthy of me. You cannot go where I'm going. Unless you walk the same path that I've walked. John 12, whoever loves his life in this age loses it in the resurrection. Whoever hates his life in this age, however, will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, the road I'm taking, there will also my servant be. You see what he's saying? Like over and over and over, Jesus says to follow me means death. Okay? At a heart level, at, at the very least, right? Like martyrdom's probably not a live issue for us in Tonkawa in 2023, but it better be a live issue in your heart. Okay, like I'm going to give myself to this now while it's easy so that when it gets hard, I've already said yes. I've already had that conversation with myself and my family and my church, okay? Disciples do not get to walk a different path than he walked. We will be like our master. We will be like our servant. And so if he carried a cross for the sake of bearing witness to the mercy of God, disciples will too. Okay? You've heard this before. You're going to hear it again and again and again and again and again. Okay? So this is first and plain. Our mission of discipleship means we don't love our lives even unto death. Whatever that's going to look like in all the different ways in all of our different lives. Okay? Got it. We're good with death. All right. Good. Everything's easier after this. Okay. Second, following Jesus means obedience. And that means obedience to his words and obedience to his example. So Luke's version of the, the, the 
soil, the guy who built his house on the rock and, and his house on um, the sand, Jesus begins this way. He says, why do you call me Lord? Why do you say I'm your Lord? Why do you say I'm your master and not do what I tell you? And the parents in the room, yeah, why is that? Okay, why do you not do what I tell you to do? Matthew 7, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, hears them and does them. John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, right? Not if you love me, you will sing songs and go to prayer meetings and like, no, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. So simple obedience to Jesus is, is, is following him. It, it is discipleship. And on the flip side, we're not disciples if we're not obeying his words. Okay. And I'm not talking about just like you are just a perfect disciple all the time. I'm saying if there's not an aim in your heart to hear the words of God, to read the words of God, especially like the words from Jesus in the Gospels, and there's not an aim in your heart to say, I want to obey these things. I want to give my heart to them. If there's that aim isn't there, even if you're not walking it out perfectly, you're not a disciple. Okay, you're, you're not. You're, you're either someone lied to you or you're deluding yourself. If there's no aim towards obedience in the heart and in the actions. We're, we're not disciples. Okay, so if he says Matthew 539, something like this. We could just do Matthew 5 through 7, but we'll just do a couple here. If he says, I tell you not to try to get even with the person who has done something to you, what do disciples of Jesus do? He said this, so we don't try to get even with people who harm us. We do verse 44, I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you and leave it to God to avenge, okay? Matthew 5, 6, and 7 makes zero sense if you don't have the day of the Lord involved, okay? It's, you're foolish if you live this way without a vision of the day of the Lord. But if the day of the Lord is here, I can forgive my enemies. I can pray for those who persecute me. Pray they turn, and if they don't, God will avenge, Romans 12, 9. So we obey his words, but not only do we obey his words, we also aim our hearts to obey his example, okay? So we want to do what he tells us, but also do the monkey see, monkey do. Um, not that your monkeys kind of bit. So what's the example of Jesus? It's like his words, First Peter 2. Peter says, this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For to this, unjust suffering, to this you have been called. Okay? That's the... You know, Disciples Wanted poster, this is what's on it. Who's signing up for that? Unjust, well, sign me up. No, this you've been called. Okay, do you understand that? Okay, because this happens to people, unjust things happen to them, and then they're like, what is this about? (laughs) And Peter says it's part of the calling. It's part of what it means to be a disciple. Because Christ also suffered for you. Why? Leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. That's the example of Jesus. Okay, and as disciples of Jesus, we obey that example. And and this is how we live our lives. And it, it doesn't sound great. Okay, but the day of the Lord's real. Okay. (laughs) 
And I'm going to follow Jesus in suffering and I'm going to follow Jesus into glory as well. Right. It doesn't make sense if the day of the Lord's not in view. It's stupid. It's absolutely ridiculous to follow Jesus. John 13, example of Jesus. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Makes sense? Simple, clear. Jesus does this monkey see, monkey do, okay? And same thing, if we're not willfully aiming our lives to obey Jesus' words and obey Jesus' examples, we're not his disciples, okay? We're deluding ourselves. Colossians 2 says, just as you received Christ as Lord, so last week submitted to him, loyalty, allegiance, the whole bit. You received him as Lord. Continue then to follow him as you were taught. What he said, we aim our hearts to do. And, and next, like next time, I'll, we do this together. right? Because I don't always want to obey Jesus. I need one of you to shake me and say, no, you're going to obey Jesus. Okay? Okay, what you were taught, obey. And then third, discipleship entails um, self-denial. And this one is the most relevant for us, okay? As human beings, followers of Jesus in Tonkwa in 23. Because um, martyrdom's kind of out there, okay? Like we get the Voice of the Martyrs, you know, magazine. And we, we show the FAI documentaries. And we do all of this stuff. But to my knowledge, no one's been martyred in the United States of America in... Right? Like in... Oh, well, that's not actually true. But you know what? In Tonkawa, martyrdom's not like a... Man, we're going to gather this morning under threat of death. Like, that's not happening to us. Unjust suffering is kind of out there. Okay? It happens in little ways. I understand that in, in personal relationships and whatever. But what Peter's talking about, like government entities treating, mistreating you, like that's kind of out there. But self-denial is right here, okay? Self-denial is live, happening all the day, hitting us nonstop. So if we're going to be disciples of Jesus in Tonkawa, self-denial has to be like live for us, okay? We have to, to give ourselves to it. So Matthew 16 that we've read, Jesus said to his disciples, to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, which is... You've heard a million times, but think about it. It assumes there are things in you that need to be denied, right? Like if you were just born awesome, Jesus wouldn't say this, but you're not born awesome. So Jesus has to say, deny those things. You're born with a heart that's bent towards wickedness. Okay, Mark 7, out of people's hearts. Come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Right? And he could keep going. He just, Mark stops for brevity. Okay? He could keep going. Jesus says all of these evil things come from where? From with, yeah, from the heart. And so following Jesus is hearing him say, hey, all this stuff that's in the heart, that's coming out, that wants to do this and go this way and do all this stuff. Jesus says, uh-uh. Deny it. Say, say no to it. So basic to discipleship, okay, which is live for, for junior high, high school, and the 80-year-olds in the room. Basic to discipleship is recognizing these desires are there, okay? I've got things in me that don't agree with what God says is good and true. And then 
for the sake of love for Jesus, loyalty to Jesus, and for the sake of inheriting eternal life, okay, for the sake of not getting thrown into a lake of fire, Jesus says, recognize that, deny it, and say no to something that's fleeting and death-bringing, and say yes to something that's lasting and and life-giving. Like, this is just discipleship 101. Got stuff in here that's ungodly, and by the mercy of God, and by the Spirit's power, I'm going to say, no. I want to live forever. Okay? I want to live forever. Ten minutes? Fifty years? Or forever? Forever. Choose forever. Deny yourself. First Thessalonians 4. We ask and we urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to live and to please God. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. So what Paul's about to say is is the obedience, right? Instruction from Jesus. Verse 3. Do you want me to tell you the will of God for your life? You have to buy my book. I'm just kidding. It's in your Bible. This is the will of God for your life. You seniors, what am I going to do with my life? This, the will of God. Your sanctification. You're, you're conforming your life to be like our master and central to sanctification is that you abstain from sexual immorality. You deny sexual morality. That each one know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who don't know God. For God has not called us for moral impurity with our bodies, but God has called us in holiness, Okay. So this is kind of Paul's main uh, deal with the Gentiles. So you sit down and you just read all of Paul's letters. They're basically all of this. Paul sits down to write, dear Gentiles, you are sexually unhinged. Y'all are just, what is wrong with you? Okay, like the, you, you don't understand what your uh, not den- what, what your desires that you're giving themselves to. You don't understand the harm that they're doing to you. Right. And you don't understand the harm that they're bringing on the world. You guys are unhinged. Right. Like if Paul would write the same letter in 2023. You Gentiles are insane. And, and the Jewish people, you guys are unhinged in these things. And to follow Jesus, you have to deny these things. You need to live according to how you will live then, which we'll get into in a second. So another letter, First Corinthians 9. Do you not know that in a race... Paul's understanding is I start the race, I got to finish the race. In a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. And in Paul's letters, what is the prize every single time? The resurrection of the dead. Philippians 3, one thing I do, pressing on towards the upward call in Christ Jesus, whatever I must do to attain to the resurrection of the dead. I'm going to do that. Run in such a way as to get the prize. How do you get the prize? Verse 25. Everyone who competes in the games, they go into strict training, right? They work hard to get rid of known weakness in them. You know, if you're like a boxer, you got to work on your left hand so you don't die. Okay. (laughs) Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. And why do they do this? They do it to get a crown that will not last. Okay. Like all the medals that were handed out this weekend are garbage. Okay, I'm going to tattle on you, Stoney. Um, Stoney's, you know, state champion, football coach. Um, where are your rings at? 
in Sam's sandbox? Buried treasure in the sandbox? Yeah. Uh, it's garbage, right? I'm not saying it's, you know, not, not a cool thing, not a good thing to compete and win and all the stuff, but it still, either way, requires strict training just to get a crown that won't last, okay? That moth and rust will destroy. We do it, they do it, they do strict training to get that crown, but we do it, we go into strict training to get a crown that will last forever. So it's just like just simple logic. The, the path to a crown that perishes requires self-denial. How much more? Right? How much more self-denial to get a crown that never fades, never perishes, guarded by God, kept in heaven for you to be unveiled at the day Jesus Christ is revealed. First Peter four, right? Like how much more self-denial? Therefore, Paul says, I don't run like a man running aimlessly, right? I'm not training just like to train, although there are weird people who do that. Okay, I'm not training just to train. I don't fight like a man beating the air. I'm not boxing against no one. Right. I'm not simply training for this age and things that don't last. No, I beat my body. I make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Self-denial, strict training to get a crown that lasts, to, to, to get what lasts forever, okay? Like, it's just what Paul is, it's his deal. Titus 2, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Okay, it. So the grace of God that appears is Jesus' cross, resurrection, ascension, sending of the Spirit, and promise of return. This whole story of Jesus teaches us It trains us to say no to ungodliness. We look at the life of Jesus, all the promises of God. We look at those things. We say, that's worth it. That will last forever. And that teaches us to say no. Okay? Just like with the, you know, like, I want to win the two mile. And I see that can of pop. Okay? But I want to win the two miles. So I say no. It teaches me to say no to ungodliness, no um, to worldly passions, and to live self-controlled. Controlling the self, denying the self, upright, godly lives win. When are we to live godly lives? In the present age, right? Teaching us to say no to these things now while we wait for what? The age to come. Yeah. Oh, you're getting it. (laughs) This age is training for that one. The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I read a commentary that said verse 13 is about 70 AD. And I almost threw my Bible in, in the air. No, the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ is it. Sorry. I literally did that in my office, though. Thank you very much. Ronald Wolthouse. Hey, they changed the, the the jab, the vaccine flight requirements. So Ronald will be here um, hopefully after May. I bring Ronald up. Ronald, Wolth- you guys know Ronald Wolthouse? Oh, yeah. Ronald, there is Carl. Ronald is a fiery Dutchman, um, and Ronald always comes and does this with the Bible, right? Because he says if you're not obeying it, it's just a book. And anyway. So I can throw it in the air at stupid commentaries. All right. So we're, 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 we're living, saying no to ungodliness in the present age while we're waiting for the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Why? 
Why does Jesus give himself for us? To redeem us from wickedness. He doesn't give himself. You just keep walking in it. No, I'm going to save you out of, of that. And to purify for himself a people that are his very own. Eager to do what is good. That's what the, that's what the life of Jesus does. Okay? His cross makes us eager to carry a cross. His resurrection makes us eager for our resurrection. His ascension makes us trust that, okay, he is the king of the universe. I can trust him. It's real. His promise of return makes us eager to live holy lives. Eschatology drives discipleship. Changes how, how we live now. Okay? Self-denial. Like, this is, this is, this is discipleship. Okay? So if our eyes, our hands, and other parts desire things that are reserved for the marriage bed, the grace of God teaches you to deny yourself and keep your pants on, and your hands to yourself, and your eyes where they should be. Okay? If our stomach and taste buds desire things that will harm our own bodies and make us unhelpful to other people, the grace of God teaches us to deny ourselves and make wise choices with our food and lifestyle. Okay? Talking about food? Yeah, Paul writes and says, your God is your belly. Serve Jesus as, as Lord, not your belly. Not your, like, there's no area of our life that we don't submit to Jesus, okay? Like, like I know we hammer on, on sexuality a lot, and rightfully so. The New Testament does, and we're just jacked up there. But it, our money, it belongs to Jesus, and our bodies belong to Jesus. Like, this is self-denial. If your tongue or your keyboard or your fist desire to hurt, the grace of God teaches you to deny yourself, bite your tongue, and put down the phone. And even if you don't have that desire, just put down the phone. Okay? Just put it down. I mean, it really, like, I know maybe older people don't get this thing, but, like, we have this just. Forever and ever and end. and self denial is really just saying, "What am I doing?" Right? Like it, it's it. I'm just the whole the whole self we deny. Okay, to to follow Jesus. So that's that's discipleship, cross bearing. Yes, yes to death, obedience. Yes to unjust suffering, and self denial. All right. This is the deal. It's pretty simple. So that's what we as individuals are giving ourselves to. So if you want to think, I'm following Jesus, that means I'm going to carry a cross. That means I'm going to obey Jesus. And that means I'm going to uh, deny it myself. But what I found um, helpful to me and uh, helpful to other people, too, that I've worked through this stuff with is to see discipleship uh, on a bigger picture. Okay, Or or we we just put it on a timeline. You got, the, you got the story of the gospel, put discipleship on the timeline as two things. The discipleship is unto the age to come, right? It's a narrow path that leads to life. See it unto the age to come. And then see your discipleship according to the age to come. To where you're living now looks like what you will live like then, okay? Discipleship now is according to your destiny then, okay? So this is what the um, apostles say. So what would be most helpful for you... Is to sit down and uh, open up to uh, Romans is generally your first letter and read to um, uh, Jude and just see how all of the letters that, that these church leaders are writing are telling people to live unto eternal life and live according to eternal life. Okay, like that would be most helpful for you. I'm just going to pick out from here, but 
a straight through read would really be helpful. So Galatians 5, 9, <clears throat> the works of the flesh, those, those desires that come out of the heart, they're evident. He lists them all. And he says, those who do such things, who give themselves to such things, who walk on that broad road, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So for the, Paul, discipleship, denying the works of the flesh is unto inheriting the kingdom or unto not inheriting the kingdom, okay? But discipleship is, has an aim. It has an end. I'm not fighting aimlessly or running aimlessly. I'm not boxing the air. I'm boxing to get that. I'm running to get that. Romans 13, this is the best one. And it's on your little sheet here that is upside down. I printed. I need you, Gloria. Illusion, I print them upside down. Romans, Romans 13, okay? Really important. Paul says, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed, okay? Salvation, wake from sleep, these kinds of terms from Paul are always about the resurrection of the dead, okay? Every single time, Paul is expecting Jesus to return and the dead to be raised very soon, Paul has no idea there's going to be a 2,000-year delay. He has zero clue about that. He says, this is near, it's at hand, time has come to wake from your sleep. Therefore, verse 12, he says, the night is far gone and the day is at hand. Okay, The night, this age, uh, uh, night, day, light, dark, morning, evening, these things are all shorthand for this age and the age to come. So, if the time has come for you to wake from your sleep, all right? The hour has arrived, salvation's nearer to you. Um, how should we live in view of that? He says, "Let us then cast off works of darkness and put on the armor of light." Okay? Let us walk properly how? As in the day, right? We're still in the night. But Paul says, "Walk as if you were in the daytime, live now how you will live then, right? While we're in the night, let's live like we were meant to live in the beginning, right? In the beginning, is there sin and unrighteousness and all that? Is that happening in the garden? No, right? I hope not. Jeez. No, it's very good in the beginning. So live according to how you were designed to live in the beginning and live how you're going to live now, Right? Like it's pointing to good in the beginning, good in the end. Live in the daytime. You're in the night. All right. This is the night. Live, walk as in the daytime, which means what? Not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual morality, not in sensuality and quarrels, lean jealousy. Why? Again, because you weren't meant to live like that in the beginning. That's not how you're going to live in the end. So live now according to what you will be. Does that make sense? Like, like. Paul is, he's very, very simple. Discipleship now is training you for life then. And if your life then is, is a sing-along, training now would mean singing a lot, okay? There will be singing, for sure. But if living then means, means living on a new heaven and new earth and, and planting crops and, and, and treating people kindly, and do, you, you think about that now, Okay? Like, you, you treat people who can't do anything for you with honor and respect and goodness now, because that's how you're going to be treating people then, right, in the coming age. Like, you're, this is training for that. You've been faithful in this stuff. Now take ten cities, right? You, you, the parable of the talents, like, you, you invested my money well here. Be rewarded then. Live according to how you will live. Verse 14. But put on... 
Oh, I went too long. Um, but put, I'm sorry, Helen. Helen said I could go as long as I wanted, guys. So, rubber stamp. Put on, believe in, trust, follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires, right? Unto eternal life and according uh, to eternal life. Ephesians 4. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in their futility of thoughts. Their, their thoughts are futile because they don't know where history started. They don't know how it was in the beginning. They have no idea what, what's coming, how it's going to be in the end. So they just run aimlessly and they box as people beating the air. Paul says, don't, don't do that. They are darkened in their understanding. They're excluded from the life of God. They became callous. They gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that's not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught obedience, discipleship, taught by him to take off your former way of life, the old self that's corrupted by sinful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. What does that sound like, Bible people? Sounds like Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this age, right? Right. So what age should we be conforming ourselves to? That age, right? Don't be conformed to this age. And how does this happen? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the renewing of the mind in Romans chapter 12 is according to what Paul has just said in Romans 9, 10, and 11. Romans 9, 10, 11 is the age to come. The restoration of Israel, the regathering of the people, the beautifying of Jerusalem, the return of Jesus, the resurrection of the dead. Romans 12, renew your mind according to that. Think about the deliverer coming and banishing ungodliness from Zion, right? This is what he says. 12. Renew your mind according to that. Live according to that age. You're not ready for that yet. Okay. Renewing your mind. Verse 24, back to Ephesians. And put on the new self. Oh, this is really cool. So if you've lost me, come back. This part's cool. Put on the new self, the one created according to what? The likeness of God in true righteousness and purity of truth. Okay, so... The old self is that the body of death, Romans 7, that wants to do all this other bad stuff. The old self walks according to this age, okay? The new self, the one we receive at the resurrection, right? Not a body of death anymore, but a body of life. The one we receive then walks according to what? God's likeness in righteousness. 1 John 3, 2, for when he appears, we shall be like him. <laughs> That's very cool, okay? So you're going to be like him then, Train for it now, right? Almost like the goal is, I want Jesus to have to do less work, <laughs> right? Like, oh, I've done it, you know. All right, so just live according to your destiny is all I'm saying. Live as in the daytime. Walk according to the righteousness of that age, not according to the unrighteousness of this age. Verse 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the... Light, walk according to the coming age. And what is the fruit of the coming age? What is that age characterized by? For the fruit of the light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. Okay, discipleship is according to destiny. Live now how you will live then through martyrdom, uh, self-denial, and obedience. Okay? Sierra, will you come, come help us here? So this is... Um, this is what we are aiming for as a church. We want to follow Jesus in following Jesus, in discipleship, okay? We want to stay on the narrow path that leads to life through saying yes to martyrdom, okay? 
And, and say yes now. Don't, don't wait till, till the time's there to have thought about these things. Say yes now. We want to say yes to Jesus' words and example, and we want to say no to our flesh and self-denial. Okay? This is what we're giving ourselves to as a church. Next time uh, I teach, we'll, we'll talk about how we encourage each other um, in this stuff. But for now, I want us to stand um, and, and to pray. Okay? So, Lord, we come um, without any boasting. And we come in humility. And we ask you, God, for mercy. And we ask you for forgiveness. If we're trying to save our lives rather than lose them. If we have consciously or unconsciously said no to martyrdom and said no to cross-bearing, we repent. We repent. And we sign up today at 11.10 and say, yes, Jesus, we will follow you unto death. We will give ourselves to you in, in love and loyalty and faithfulness. Even unto death, we will bear witness to the mercy of God to sinners at the expense of our lives. We repent and we ask for mercy, God, if we've been willfully disobedient to your words, willfully disobedient to your example. We repent, God. We ask you for mercy and we ask you to forgive us. And God, if we have been uh, disobedient and not denied ourselves... If we've just given ourselves over to every kind of desire that that pops up in the moment and not submitted those things to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we repent. We repent and we turn. So I ask that for our members, God, for for people uh, who have said yes to following you. And God, I ask you for... um, God, anyone here who who doesn't trust you yet, who hasn't put their trust in in your cross for the forgiveness of their sins, who hasn't put their their trust in your resurrection as a guarantee of of theirs, um, and who's walking on a broad road that leads to death. God, would you send the Spirit to them today? God, through the preaching of the Word, would you send the Spirit to them to convict them of sin? Turn from unrighteousness. Get off the broad path that leads to destruction and get on the narrow path that leads to life. If that is you this morning, you're on the broad road. You want to get on the one that, the narrow one that leads to life. Talk to a member of our church if you're sitting next to them. Talk to me, any of our elders. But do not leave today not following Jesus. Not giving yourself wholeheartedly to him. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be um, seated for a moment. Uh, If I can have the elders and Heidi and Rachel um, come up.